Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. I'm joined as ever by Donna Sorensen, live from Copenhagen. Hello. How's things in Copenhagen? It's been beautiful, really, really hot and lovely. So, um, yeah, but it's been a mad week, mad week since our little vlog that we did with the video last week. We did, and nearly 50, 30 billion, million, about 60 people have uh, watched watched our video. That's not bad, is it? That's not bad at all. I, I thought I was quite surprised, because, you know, a, a, lot more, a lot more people than that listen to the audio, but I couldn't really think of too many reasons why people would want to watch the video but we've had some we've even had some nice nice comments about it oh that's good and the laundry behind me didn't affect people people didn't seem to be too upset by it no my other half was upset by it when he saw it he was like why didn't you clean away that laundry was, was it his dirty underpants <laughs> it might well have been had he, had he uh, autographed the gusset previously and he was upset, <laughs> that, uh, upset that people might see yeah something like that but um but yeah it's a bit easier now this week that i'm not distracted by your face that's true. It is quite difficult because, uh, of course, listeners, when we record on Skype, we don't bother with the video usually because that helps with the bandwidth and the connection. But obviously, if you're going to do a video, you have to see each other. So it was quite distracting, especially when, I imagine, when required to actually read one of your own poems. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but I did it. So it was, just, you know. Indeed. So we did that on Thursday yes. evening. So we recorded yes. on Thursday evening put the podcast out on about an hour later and we spent the entire podcast talking about poetry specifically your poetry your journey to publication you read as a poem everything was exciting because your debut collection dream country wonderful collection of poetry i've received two copies already this week and <laughs> no, yeah, no, one, no one knows why but i have <laughs> and um and then we all wake up on friday morning and donna what happens Oh, yeah. Uh, it was unbelievable. Well, I'm sure that many listeners here know what happened last Friday, but um, uh, in terms of how I came to, to know about it, I literally was just about to tell the world about my poetry collection being out. And um, so I'd, I think I tweeted the first picture of it, but I hadn't written anything on Facebook or anything. I hadn't done it properly. And, um, and yes, it turns out very sadly that Seamus Heaney had passed away. And um, and that was that was just it then because I mean he is you know well the greatest living poet the greatest poet for a long long time and that's kind of what that's that's not just a, one of those statements is it that's just a kind of a generally agreed thing isn't it amongst uh, most people absolutely and you know my my collection was published by an Irish publisher and you know I've done all my writing and all my development as a writer in Ireland. And the you know the whole of Ireland is in mourning, and and it's just I mean I personally have never been as affected by the passing of someone, well certainly not of a writer but of, of of someone famous. It was it was like an actual blow. It's unbelievable. Why um, do, why do you think that was? I remember you you uh, you either said that to me. Um, I don't know. You said it to me electronically somehow. So wh- why do you think that was? What was it about? about um, uh, Seamus Heaney, apart from the obvious things like him also being a poet, and you met him as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. I mean, we, I was with a, a small group of people that had a drink with him in a pub, and um, he was just wonderful, like the centre of, of the universe there, and, and he just seemed like that in general, but without meaning to be. And I think that's, I think that's probably the main thing, the main reason why he's impacted so many people is actually because he was just a really 
nice person. <laughs> so, you know, people really enjoyed being involved with him in different things, you know, as well as him being a great scholar and a teacher and a poet, you know, for the last, well, I mean, his first collection was in 66, so a long, long time he's been, you know, um, on everybody's lips, as it were. But people just wanted to be around him and just with him, you know, and he was uh, right up until the end, you know, sought after for events and very, very busy. And, he, you know, he did it if he could. He was just amazing in that way. So, um, so yeah, but in terms of like his greatness, obviously like winning the Nobel Prize is an enormous thing. And I know for him it was, well, you know, I've read a lot since, since he, he passed away about his reaction to winning the Nobel Prize and how, well, I mean, it must be a difficult thing to, to be awarded, don't you think? Like just in terms of the responsibility and, and how it, where you fit then compared to your contemporaries and things like that. Well, it's certainly, uh, um, uh, I guess it's, uh, it, it adds to your legacy somewhat, I suppose, doesn't it? Are we talking about the Nobel Prize for Literature, of course? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also the fact that, like, you, I don't know whether you feel like this, but as a writer, I, I always, you know, I'm wondering, like, you know, is this good enough and am I worthy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what about when everybody else has written? You can't help but think about everything, all the things that have gone before. And I'm pretty sure that that suddenly is a, a real heap of responsibility to have been. I, I would have thought so, yes. In, uh, I don't I say interesting, it might not be that interesting, but I have felt like that much more since being published. Yeah. When I was unpublished, I was borderline... No, I wasn't cocky. I was going to say I was borderline cocky, but I was very confident, and I always, I always felt like it could have been put. You know, I felt like my novel was going to get published if I waited long enough and if I worked hard enough, and I had that kind of level. That's something in me that kept me going, really, more than anything else. But I'm finding now that it's actually happened, and you know, there's 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 by that happening, and you know, reviews and all that kind of thing. I, I should have the validation to make me, you know, super confident. But actually, it's gone the other way, and I think it is more. Um, it is a weight of responsibility. Now, of course, the weight of responsibility of me being an idiot um, and having a book published is slightly different to being the winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was, well, I guess it must be the same kind of thing as being, uh, you know, a laureate, just in terms of what's expected of you afterwards. Um, yeah, or or a sports, or like or or Tiger Woods, for example. Now he's getting a bit older. Everyone expects him still to be able to win every major, and of course he can't, apart from him being a filthy cretin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> apart from that, you know, it, I'm talking. Oh. About, well, he seems like it. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice person in many ways, but um, he did some silly things. Um, he did. He a no, did a number of times, apparently. Look how that's affected his his golf swing, eh? Indeed. Now he's not been the same. But it is that it is, I guess, what you're saying is, you know, once you've once you've got all this adulation, this you're, you're in a uh, people have kind of recognised you for something or other that changes perhaps the way that you approach things. But are you are you telling me that uh, that didn't really happen to Seamus Heaney? He just carried on being awesome. Well, no, he, he was awesome, but I, I think he he had always felt that there were his contempor- other contemporaries who were equally or, or who maybe deserved it. I don't know whether he felt they deserved it more than he did, but. I, I'm, I'm sure that he felt that it had kind of put him a little bit apart from other people, if you get yeah. what I mean. Um, because, you know, I mean, he came from very humble beginnings and was a very, very down-to-earth person. 
Um, but having said that, you know, I mean, he was like professor in all sorts of amazing places and Harvard and things like that. And so he was he was used to um, to responsibility and things like that. But anyway, so how, how did how did the, all this um, impact your your book launch? <laughs> this is something you waited for my for tiny years. little weeny weeny book. Yeah. Well, no, it's just like personally, I didn't feel. I didn't have the energy or anything even to talk about the book. You know, I mean, I, I, as I said, I was really upset about it because to have been, I felt like that there was somebody in the poetry world there who was, in terms of their reputation, in terms of what they've done for poetry, um, even before you talk about their, their individual poems, that they were on a par with, you know, like greats from the past, you know, big, big kind of names, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, when you, if you were going to sit there and reel off names of, of famous poets, then he would have been one of them going back through time. And I just felt like he'd gone, and, and that was, and I was like, well, that's it, that's, yeah, will we ever have anybody like that again in my lifetime? That's really what I was feeling like. Um, and also then um, knowing that everybody in Ireland would be thinking about Seamus Heaney, would be writing about him, and would be, you know, digging back into his poetry, and it was just completely the wrong time to even mention anything to do with my book. So I just kind of kept quiet over the weekend and people are obviously still talking about it. And it's, it's going to be like that for a long time. So it was just, it was insane. Friday was insane. <laughs> it was, it was unfortunate in, in many ways, but I actually think that you showed a lot of restraint. I think that there would have been a lot of people, even if they were upset about it, even if they did, it were aware that um it wasn't the best timing the excitement of it being the day that your book is available for people to buy i think that there's a lot of writers understandably who would have let that um the emotion of that take over and yeah. uh, and just and just tweet about it anyway but what you did actually by waiting and until this week so basically that's what you did isn't it you didn't say anything about your book coming out on friday you just you started you've only really just started doing it this week yeah um, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, in many ways, it's on one hand, it does show, um, I guess, some thoughtfulness and, and restraints, but also, actually, it's quite it's it's quite marketing savvy, is it not? Is it not a good idea to think? And I'm not saying that this is what what you thought, although I guess you did in a way, but not for the wrong reasons. Um, this would be a terrible day to talk about my book because no one will be interested. Um, <laughs> of course, yeah, it's just like, um, come here, look at this way, look at this. Don't, don't think about, you know, what the entire world is thinking about. Think about this really tiny, insignificant thing. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. I don't, I'm not trying to put my book down. Oh, it sounds terrible what I'm saying now. No, but no, you no. Just want me. I mean, poetry, you know, it's difficult to, to get people to look at anyway. So, yeah, I, mean, I don't know whether it's made a massive difference. But, um, but, of course, it was not a good idea to be talking about anything else on that day. Um, but it's amazing, isn't it? Like, you could tell... I imagine there are people out there that would have been like going onto the Seamus Heaney, um, you know, Twitter hashtag, for example, <laughs> you know, put something on about Seamus Heaney and be like, oh, and by the way, but yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the, it, even uh, today I noticed, I mean, this is not quite the same thing, but it isn't far off. In fact, it's worse, I would imagine. Um, uh, do you know that in the UK today in on in the Sheppey, I think it's a big bridge that was built in 2006, um, there was a, a hundred car pileup on this this stretch of road it, it's lots of fog 100 cars no no one's um you know there's no fatalities some some serious injuries but and lots of i guess whiplash but basically like the front car stopped for some reason and the rest just piled in the back 
So this is this has been in the national news today in the UK, and um, and there's that, that hashtag Sheppy because that's where it is, and um, someone had, had had linked to the fact that this um, like um, you know the 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 advertisements you get, you fallen over at work, had a little bump in your car, that kind of thing. Someone was yeah. like someone was like trolling the trolling the hashtag, trying to you know it's only just happened. It's, Drum up a bit of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you still in your car waiting to be chopped out of it give us a ring (laughs) awful wow what a world we live in eh what a world we live in so anyway right back to the subject um Uh, anyway so it's yeah it's fine and and, you know i'm i'm focusing on it this week and just getting things sorted you know in terms of my author page on facebook and all that jazz um but what one of the things that i i wanted to um ask you though because we just we just had a. I've had a very unusual day today as well. It's been my my first day of being full day, uh, being not full full day full time, uh, doing a day's uh, childcare. So I am basically now I work part time, which is a, a way of thinking about it that I haven't actually considered. But I, I work four days a week, and then on Thursdays, podcast day, coincidentally. So I'm going to be knackered every week. Um, <laughs> I'm looking after my boys, my twins, and it's an amazing thing to do. We are stuffing it to the gender. Uh, inequalities <laughs> of the world. Totally, and, um, <laughs> we are showing it who's boss, and um, and um, so I've had a bit of a, an unusual day. I won't quite say that we weren't brilliantly prepared for this podcast, but I will suggest it by just even saying that sentence. <laughs> and um, and you text me about half an hour ago, and in that text message, bear in mind that this is the first week of your first poetry collection being available for anyone to buy and I don't remember your exact wording but it was along the lines of oh I've been boring everyone with it today or this week already I probably didn't ought to say anything else <laughs> <laughs> and that and I just thought how how interesting that's such an interesting <laughs> thing to to you know, you, you so if, if if I don't know Oasis launch a CD gosh I'm sure my age um if they launch a CD um that's you know they're promoting that for weeks and months. Everyone's on social media promoting music, promoting films for weeks and months. People pop out a little poetry collection or a novel, and they think, "Oh, I mustn't, I mustn't talk about it for more than at least five seconds, otherwise people will just get so fed up with me." Well, I guess it's it's, but it's scale is another thing. You know, I mean, if if you've got uh, you know massive amount of publishing, um, not publishing, sorry, publicity funds that are going into a campaign for something of that size you're going to be pretty sure that a lot of people are going to see it and a lot of people are going to see it and not be interested and then a lot of people will 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 be interested but with somebody like me i'm i am not sending you know my messages out to millions of people so that's why i'm saying you have to be a bit careful because you know we have a limited well i speak for myself i have a limited number of people that i'm talking to about this at the moment and that is why I was saying that, you know, I don't want to be going on and on about it all the time at the start. Um, I would love it to filter down to so that different people were starting to see it and, and hear about it, obviously. Um, but, yeah, but that, that, that takes time. I mean, I'm with you on this to, to a point. I think I did go longer than a few days before I started thinking I should stop pestering people. But, um, but it, it, it's, I think it is an inherent problem with, with, with writers... But only some writers, because if I was talking to someone who was self-publishing their book, especially someone who was pretty savvy and pretty good at self-publishing their book, they would just think this was the most ridiculous conversation anyone's ever had in their entire life. 
They would be talking about strategies and about business plans and about making sure, for instance, that, yes, you talk about your book, but make sure that your other tweets, let's just take Twitter as a platform that applies to others, Mm. make sure that your other tweets are intersected with being useful to other people, with links to interesting writing or publishing-related stuff, so that the whole thing worked together as part of a a marketing campaign. And, And I did my very best to think like that and and I, and the ludicrous thing for me is that this is partly what I kind of have done for a living for years is develop campaigns for clients and big companies and that kind of thing not necessarily social media that much but certainly kind of um advertising campaigns yeah. and and yet when it's you and when it's your own thing what what we had uh, when it's your own thing that you're um trying to sell there is you you do there's something that sort of envelops you that like a force field that says well you know i'd rather people i'd rather people not get annoyed at me than i would (laughs) sell an extra five books (laughs) yeah this is very true and it's actually the same kind of thing i was thinking it's bizarre i was thinking about this earlier about when you become published and putting yourself out there and anybody who is trying a creative endeavor and who would seriously like other people to see it um this this idea that you want to be liked by people or that you, you don't want to... You just want to be liked and loved in general as a human being. That's the way I feel about it. You kind of have to put that in the background a little bit when you're putting yourself out there because you you are running the risk of, of you know, some people not liking what you're doing or people saying that then, you know, that they that they just don't like it. Yeah. It's true. And, and also the way that I've... Uh, this is kind of my theory on... Twitter, the way that we think about it is completely different to the way that other people think about it. And by it, I mean our entire profile, I guess. So we're aware constantly of the narrative that we create on Twitter. And by that, I mean, for example, you could pretty much talk about, I'm not saying you could remember every single tweet, but you could pretty much, um, you're aware of the narrative that you create every day because you're the person that has tweeted all those different times you know how many times you've mentioned your book or how many times you've linked to the guardian books website or how many times you've had a conversation with someone you know or a stranger you're aware of that narrative and so you're conscious that actually well i only sent a tweet out about the book a few hours ago so maybe i can't do it for another three days (laughs) but but in reality the vast majority of people and the vast vast majority of people we're talking won't have seen that tweet they won't be aware of it i know i know but that's a particular problem with twitter i would say don't you think that like i don't i mean there are people on facebook who have millions of of friends but for me i i find twitter less manageable in terms of the of the feed and there is so much that i don't see on twitter and i know that other people have the same thing there's just so much that you just don't see so, yeah, I can see that Twitter, you need to ram it in people's faces a bit more, whatever you're trying to say, because there is a massive chance they haven't seen it. But with Facebook, I, don't you feel that people maybe pay a bit more attention to it or see a bit more of what comes through on their feed? Or maybe that's just because I, I don't have as many friends as, as other people. Well, it's because... And I've got loads of friends. I don't want to sound like I haven't got any friends. No, it is, but, it, but Facebook... Facebook was uh, surprisingly fruitful for me, but that's because most of the people that know that, that I'm, I'm sending that message to know me, and they were interested in me as uh, because it's it's Ian who's 
who's published a book. So um, and and they shared it to. This was the thing that surprised me about actually about the launch of the book. How much positive feedback I got from not just immediate friends or good friends, but kind of friends who were you know not so good. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then friends of friends. And I was yeah. really surprised by how much that kind of that very local that that uh, that kind of almost word of mouth um, um, approach. How how much that works, and it was really really handy. And I didn't really. <laughs> try and do it but facebook was good for that but you are right twitter is different because you are it is more to the general public isn't it it's it's to it's more to the world yeah definitely i mean i my twitter i i have very few friends on twitter if i if i think about it do you mean friends as in people who you actually have conversations with or do you mean or do you mean actual followers oh no i mean the actual people that i talk to in in real life on a regular basis well, I'm the same, but there's, there's also people that, who I've who I've follow on Twitter, and have done for years, and I'm just following them because I'm, and I'm, I'm I feel like I should. So you know, there are people who are in the publishing industry who I feel like I should follow because they, you know, they're movers and shakers. But I've never had a conversation with them, no. um, and, and there are some people like that who I have had a conversation with. It's it's a fairly limited kind of. Uh, it is a, your voice is limited to an extent but again someone who was a successful self-publisher again listening to this conversation would probably think it fairly hilarious that two literary authors sort of fanning around about how many friends they've got and what they should say and what they shouldn't say i i think i think it's um it impacts it impacts a lot of people i really do i've i've noticed there's one author that I followed on Twitter and I can't even remember their name, so it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, but they do the same post on quite a regular basis. I don't know whether they've set it up to do it automatically, just like, you know, get my book now um, and then the link to buy it. And it's, it's, it's exactly the same text every time and it just comes through every so often. And, you know, I'm sure that they're just doing it because they think people haven't seen it the first time or whatever. But it's weird that I've noticed that one come through quite a lot which is interesting, actually, because in the grand scheme of things, like I said, I, there's loads of tweets I don't see or I don't notice. I have actually noticed that one, but there is no way I would click on that link and even consider buying that book. So it doesn't matter that I've seen it. Yeah, and it's quite it's quite annoying. And if some, I think if 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 I was getting that, I would probably um, I'd probably that would probably be unfollow unfollowable misdemeanor for me. Um, uh, yeah. Just to throw one thing out there, and this is probably controversial, and I apologise. No, stuff it. I don't apologise. I'm going to say it and I don't care, um, even though it might not even be true and it might be grossly unfair. But I wonder perhaps if those people who are sort of, um, and it isn't just self-publishers, but they are the best example, but those really successful self-publishers who really hammer it home and have this real business plan, I wonder if they are so motivated by making money out of writing I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I think there are lots of people who have admitted that that's the primary reason they do it. Whether they, they care less about what people think of them, whether it's on social media or whether it's what they write on their blog, because ultimately their their, their strategy, their business plan is working. Yeah, well, they must be selling stuff. I mean, they must be making money. Yes. But, and but you, I, can't, you can't be making money if people think you're an absolute idiot and what you're saying is, is annoying or rubbish. Unless work for the first time, you know, if you have like a hundred thousand people that, that subscribed to something and paid for something straight out and then realized it was rubbish. But I mean, that's not what happens. So, 
So yeah, I mean, there must be there must be something in in in, in those kind of well, those models of doing it. There definitely is, but I mean, I I for me, I've um, I joked earlier on about the idea that we care about whether people like us more um, uh, than we do actually selling books, and um, and it is that is you know exaggerated and kind of funny, but. Um, but there is a shred of truth in it, I think, because it's not really that people like you. It's about reputation, isn't it? So it's your reputation for me as a, as a, and I, I'll, I'll do air quotes, um, as a serious author, which I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I am. I feel like it's, and, and, and you are, and lots of people are. Most people listen to this, and therefore the reputation is actually an important thing. I don't want to be remembered as the person who sold lots of books because he had a fantastic tweet strategy twitter strategy um i want to be the person i want to remember for the guy who wrote you know um a, a great back catalogue of fiction yeah absolutely well there you go anyway so that's been uh, quite a long discussion considering that we hadn't prepared for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's we are i am just working all this stuff out as i go along and um that's that's really interesting for me you know like for example i'm also looking at doing events now and i've i've mm. got a routine that i'm setting up that's another a similar kind of situation in terms of the fact that it's an amazing venue an amazing bookshop it's not the biggest in the world but i feel that it's like a really great place and a great community um of readers and stuff associated with that shop and i can't wait to do a reading there well, but it's not like a massive one that i'm you know where i could just pack people in well, I've my my uh, in in the UK. I am big in Leicester. I am massive in Coventry, because <laughs> and it's because two communities have um, have kind of um, spread the word about about my novel. In Leicester, there's a bookshop called Kibworth Books, and if anyone you can find them on the internet, I will put a link in the show notes. And this year, they decided to do the first ever Leicester Literary Festival and they invite they invited me to come and and and, and read and speak at, at the festival and um and the person who, who owns the bookshop small bookshop loved my book and they have really pushed it and I have sold loads of books through that one particular independent bookshop in Coventry I was asked to go and speak at the literary festival and because I know someone who was involved and um and again just through word of mouth, I have in fact I've been nominated for um, uh, uh, an award. Or my book has been nominated for award, and it's um, f- it's the Inspiration Awards, and it's in the word of mouth category. So it, it is about little communities. It is about getting little communities That's to awesome. get behind it. Yeah. So that's not a bad thing. I think I think small. We, we immediately think small is bad, big is good, but it isn't always the way. A. Eh? <laughs> I don't know. I like big. Excellent. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the title of the show sorted. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yes. So I will keep you all updated. I'm sure on how it's all going. But um, but yeah, and I'm I'm actually back to my writing day job next week. So you've just gone down to part time, and I'm about to go back out into the to the world of of. Um, well, hopefully I'll have less nappies and stuff to change when I'm out and about in the working world. You so it's going to so. be interesting to see how much I'm, I'm writing privately mm. when I'm writing again all day, every day. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to know. We are both the interesting phases in our writing lives, so we shall ho- hopefully this will be interesting to people in the, co- <laughs> <laughs> in the coming weeks and months. I don't think we can assume, though. No. 
Um, I had one thing finally to uh, just to mention. I'm going to just throw something out there, but it's it's tentative at the moment. And if anyone's had the good heart to uh, listen this far to this episode and wants to provide me with some with some feedback, I would enjoy receiving it. It's the 100th show soon, believe it or not, the 100th episode of the Right for Life podcast. Aww. Now I'm aware that they are. Uh, uh, the, the, together those 100 episodes are a mixed bunch but I think at least the last 60 or 70 have been quite good so, or in the sense that they've been complete and regular and uh, all that kind of thing there were some great ones earlier on with Manuela Boyle but um, it was all fairly sporadic but anyway, it's the 100th show soon and one of the things that I thought about doing to celebrate it is putting together a feature length documentary style podcast or um, or audio file, um, not putting it out um, as a regular episode. I think that we would have the hundredth episode, and we'd celebrate in uh, by perhaps by talking about 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 uh, this particular document documentary <laughs> documentary style thing, um, and then asking people pay to pay perhaps a quid for it, just as kind of a as a one-off thing so it would be very professional i would get interviews with people who know what they were talking about i was thinking about it being the future of writing or maybe the future of publishing and um, and trying to put a professional thing together to sell to people to kind of celebrate um, 100 shows of talking about writing and reading and publishing and stuff like that wow what do you reckon yeah sounds big when's the <laughs> episode what are we on then i think this is about 90 um Oh no, maybe not. Maybe this is about. Maybe we're a bit further off than I thought. This is a, around ninety-ish. So yes, yeah, so it's in in a couple of months. Yeah, there's a bit of time to get this all in place and get the interviews in place and get good people to talk and uh, and edit it and make it into a proper proper thing that people might actually want to purchase. Yeah, sounds awesome. So if you've got any feedback on that. Listeners, then let me know. Tell me what you think, whether you think it's a good idea, maybe even whether you'd buy it or not, because, uh, you know, there's no point doing it if no one listens to it. Um, <laughs> you know, it'll be fairly cheap and, you know, reasonably good quality. Um, uh, yeah, let me know. And you can do so by getting in touch on Twitter at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E, or you can eel... Eel? No, oh, this is... I'm getting very tired. Don't eel anything unless you're, like, angling or something. Um, you can email... Um, hello at ianbroom.com or you can what else can you do? Probably nothing probably they're the best things to do I would have thought You've got your Facebook page? Yeah but that's not really a place to discuss this I don't think that's just a place to send me pictures of stuff What? Um, I, pictures you're getting? There's a message area people can send you messages Yeah send me a message on Facebook like my fan page, send me a message, do that um, anywhere you can, just get in touch and um, or if you want to bypass me completely because I've spoken nonsense for the last minute, then they can get in touch with you, Donna. But where would they do that? Yeah. So if you want to complain about Ian, you can just tweet me at at the Flying Poet. Or I've now got a Facebook page. It's um, just Facebook slash Donna Sorensen Poetry. So Donna S O R E N S E N Poetry. Marvelous. Well, I let's I, let's all be fans of that page as well. Oh yeah. Yes, do, do. Thanks. And um, and that's it. You can go and find other episodes of the podcast, previous ones, at ianbroom.com slash podcast or on the 70 Decibels website. And, um, and well, I probably should also mention that if you would like to buy my book, you can <laughs> on the New Island website, newisland.ie. <laughs> that's the spirit. Yeah, do it. <laughs> do it. All right, we shall speak to you next week. Thanks, Ian. Bye.